You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Louisiana, what up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here on this Wednesday morning in the Caldwell Banker Group Line Realty Studio in West Monroe on Wednesdays around 8 o'clock or so. We always love catching up with ULM's head coach, Michael Federico. He joins us in the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coach, how you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great. Got my first cup of coffee. All right. Well, you're behind. I'm on uh, cup number four, I believe. <laughs> hey, Coach, yeah, we uh, got first of all, I got to ask you, where are you this morning? Uh, we drove, after we played McNeese, uh, we drove over to Lafayette just to, uh, that way we uh, could stay, you know, in the same hotel and not have to check in twice. So we just Drove straight over to Lafayette, got in about, um, I don't know, about 12.30 last night and uh, letting the guys sleep in a little bit this morning, and then we're going to go lift weights um, around noon, and then we'll practice later on tonight. All right, coming off a 10-7 to victory last night versus McNeese, you wanted to see this offense come to life, and they certainly did against the Cowboys. After struggling against a very good Troy squad this weekend, how nice was it to see those bats come to life last night? It was, you know, we had some really nice uh, situational hits. Chad Bell really swung the bat well uh, with two triples and kind of set us up for some, what I say, are easy RBIs. They haven't been easy all year, but, uh, you know, guy at third base with nobody out, you know, you really feel like you got a chance to score a run, and we did a good job of, of uh, you know, pressuring them a little bit, uh, took advantage of two of their mistakes, and um, were able to, you know, get back in the game because we were behind. We got off to a rough start. Uh, on the mound, and then I really felt like, we, you know, we kind of we knew going into the game we were going to have a bunch of pitchers that we're going to throw. We needed to get them some some work to be ready for this weekend, and um, you know those guys did a really good job. I think we we gave up eight hits uh, in the first two innings, and then only gave up three hits the rest of the way after that. So we did a really good job on the mound of of hanging some zeros and, and limiting some damage for them. Yeah, you look at it, uh, you fall behind 6-2 to two after three innings, not looking good, and you only give up one run the rest of the game. And then, of course, the offense, the top of the fourth, uh, gets it done, scores two runs, really starts the course of the next uh, four innings where you put uh, numbers up on each of those innings. What was the difference for through uh, the seventh innings for you guys able to score runs? To score runs? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, what was the biggest difference from you from the fourth inning on as you guys really came to life there offensively? Yeah, I, you know, I think our backs were against the wall a little bit. And, um, you know, we, we were able to take advantage of some, some positive counts. The, their, the, some of their arms that they brought in kind of got behind in the count. We, we took advantage of some, some 2-0 and 3-1 at-bats where we got some fastballs to hit and, um, you know, really, really drove the baseball. And, um, you know, that, that kind of led again to uh, some extra base hits that we were able to have, you know, runners in second or third instead of just, you know, trying to single them to death. And then, uh, you know, Jacob Sharon hit a home run, which was, was, which was huge. You know, he, he's been struggling for us, and uh, he got a 3-1 uh, fastball and, um, you know, ended up hitting it over the, you know, over the wall, which was, was, was huge for us from our nine hole because he hasn't been that productive for us. Um, he has been productive defensively, but, uh, you know, it was, it was nice for him to get a big blow right there. Before we get into this uh, big series against ULLL that starts on Thursday, uh, the Troy series, of course, you knew uh, the, the Trojans were very good. 
Uh, did you have a little bit more respect for him after they left Warhawk Field with a sweep by the Trojans? Well, I've always had respect for him. I've known Coach Smart for a long time. Um, their head coach, he um, he and I have had had uh, you know opportunities to know each other back from the early 2000s when he was at uh, Livingston University or West Alabama now, uh, and I was at Meridian. So I have a lot of respect for him. I know that they run a, a, a classy program and. I know, Aaron, you and I have talked about, you know, from a program standpoint, building a program. And mm-hmm. Troy is one of those those places that you can say they have a baseball program because typically year in and year out, they, um, you know, they're they're a respectable team. They're, they're always in the tops, of, you know, of the league. They're always fighting to get into a regional. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they've been to the conference tournament a number of years in a row. Uh, I don't know exactly what that number is, but they're a very, very good baseball program, and, and they uh, they do things the right way. So, a lot of respect, and uh, definitely after seeing them play, you know, you see their you see their numbers, and you go, okay, wow, this is this is you know crazy. But uh, after playing them, you know, they deserve all the respect in the world because they uh, they've got a talented group of, of uh, young men. All right, interesting week for you guys. Of course, with the McNeese game, you made your way over to Lafayette, getting ready to square off against the Cajuns. You have certainly put yourself in position to advance and qualify for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, something that this program has not done in a couple of years. Have you crunched the numbers? What will it take for you guys to get in this week? Well, I I, I don't do a ton of that. I don't kind of look at all that stuff, but uh, everybody's told me the magic number is two. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing is the, how jumbled up the league is. Um, you know, if, if we were able to get to, there's there's no if ands, or buts, we would be in there. Um, and, and you know, or, you know, vice versa, it could be some different scenarios if we were able to get one um, and then have to worry about what some other people do. The, the unique thing about the league this year, Aaron, is not everybody's played their required number of games because of rainouts and, and different scenarios. So sometimes, like, we have the, we have the head-to-head on – Georgia State, but and 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 Arkansas State, but they they both have not played the the required number of games because of some rainouts and stuff. So, you know, you could get into a winning percentage where their winning percentage could be a little bit higher than, than ours, even though, you know, we 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 had the head to head. And so there's kind of some unique scenarios. I don't understand really all of this stuff in there. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, I know the old cliche, but we we've got to take one at a time and. Like I've told you before, I, w- I want to make sure that we earn our way into this thing. Um, this is going to be, you know, an exciting weekend for us. With uh, you know, Lafayette's got a great facility uh, with with some good fans, and um, you know, we we want to we want to go earn it. We've been talking about this all year, not only getting to Lafayette for the tournament, but uh, finishing at Lafayette so that we can, uh, you know, we can get into the tournament ourselves. I know you're focused on the present and the future of this program, but the past, the fact that uh, ULM has not had very much luck versus uh, ULL over the past uh, four or five years, how much does that come into play, at least for the, the veteran players, to kind of end this with a big note and kind of get over the hump with the games against the Cajuns? Oh, no doubt. I think it puts a lot of fuel on the fire. Um, I know there's been a, a number of games. I mean, I don't even know if any of the seniors on this on this team have ever beat Lafayette. So, um, and that's 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 pretty difficult to do when you think about college baseball to to get beat that many times in a row. So uh, you know I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm I'm ready for the challenge. Um, I know it's a, it's a difficult place to play, but uh, it's it's the kind of environment that we want to be in 
in the future. And you just talked about it, you know, looking looking towards the, the future of it. Uh, you know, this is a place where they can host a regional and, you know, they're, they're going to have, you know, three to five thousand, uh, you know, fans there. And, and that's kind of the environment that you want to you want to you know put your guys in. Uh, that's the kind of environment that I want Warhawk to field to be in the next few years as well. Because um, I know that, you know, Warhawk, I've, I've played at Warhawk Field with, you know, over 2,000 people like we did this year against Tech. And, um, you know, some midweek games that, I, that I've been to um, when I was at Southern Miss, that I know Warhawk Field can be that way. So this is, this is exciting, but it definitely puts a, a little extra fuel on the fire. Coach, you've talked about it numerous times, this team taking steps to uh, rebuilding it. Some would scoff at the idea, well, you're just making the, the postseason tournament. But this is an important step, isn't it? For you guys to get back where you want to be in the in the future. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I, I, you know, it's crazy just to think that you know the main goal for us right now is just to get in the tournament. And I, I know some people would kind of you know laugh at that, but uh, to to know where this program has been in the in the past the last couple of years, uh, this, this is a big step, and um, you're going into some uncharted territories for a lot of these kids and. So to find a way to navigate through it is difficult. Um, you know, there's there's a different element of pressure. There's a different element of fear of failure. If you don't do this, you know, they understand the the, the magnitude of, of each game. And um, uh, learning how to slow the game down is, is important. But learning how to win when, you know, your backs are against the wall. You see it in the big leagues all the time. You see it, uh, you know, in the March Madness thing, you know, some teams just fold under that pressure. So um, we, you have to put them in those situations, and, and that's the process that we have to start right now. And, and honestly, we could finish higher than, than ninth or tenth. We're in ninth right now. We, we could actually finish a little bit higher than that and if, if we do what we you know, are capable of doing. And um, you know, let's, we'll see where the chips fall um, with how everybody else plays this weekend. But again, for, for me, the biggest thing is I want to earn ourselves into it, whether it's you know, ninth or tenth, which, you know, ideally that's not where you want to be. But um, to be able to say that we did it ourselves and not had to rely on somebody else is definitely important to me and our, and our team. And finally, Coach Federico, I'd be remiss not to ask you about this senior class. Of course, they played their final home games this past weekend. I know when you inherit a program, uh, it's always a little bit of a touchy situation with the senior class. It can either go two ways. They can be all in or basically they can turn south on you. How has this senior class handled this transition? I think it's been amazing. Um, you know, it's been something that I've been I've been focused on from the first time I I called each one of them. Um, you know, after I accepted the job, they were the first people I went and I went basically in you know in order of seniors down to the freshmen, calling each one of them individually and making sure that they were on board. And, and I and I you know specifically laid out a plan to tell them like look I, I need you guys but at the same time if this isn't what you want to do and you're not you know up for this challenge then you know I'm going to ask you not to come back and every one of them didn't bat an eye they, they were excited um, they, they were enthusiastic from the moment we got here and um, you know I, I really appreciate each each one of those guys I mean again it'll be my first senior class um you know, that, that I've had, and a number of them have graduated. A couple of them already have jobs lined up in, in the real world. So, uh, you know, they've been successful uh, in, in other ways, too. And I think that's, you know, what people don't understand sometimes, how difficult it is to be a college athlete. And, uh, you know, Will Daniels, you know, you and I have talked about him a lot this year, but 
as soon as this season's over with, he's, he's already got a job lined up in, in a, an apartment and everything in, in Texas. So, uh, you know, that, that says a lot about that young man and, you know, the family that, that's raised him. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to be successful in life, which ultimately that's, that's the biggest thing that I want to, you know, do for these kids is, is help them become better husbands, fathers, and, and, and citizens. And um, we, we've got some of those kids on our team, and I'm excited about them and, and their future. Uh, interesting week with uh, school being out. You guys are already down in Lafayette. So, uh, what do you do today? Uh, we, we've got uh, we're letting them sleep in since we got uh, got in late last night, and then we've got our strength coach with us, Kyle Vager. Uh, we're going to go over to Lafayette and, um, and and work out. We'll move the guys around a little bit, and uh, get, get we typically get two work two weight workouts in per week the entire year, and. Um, this is, you know, a business trip for us, so uh, we're going to continue to do what our routine's been, and we'll lift it at noon today. Uh, we'll take them to go get a, a good bite to eat for lunch, uh, and then we'll go back over to Lafayette uh, tonight and practice around 6 o'clock just to kind of get our bearings with uh, with the facility and get some ground balls on the, on the turf that they have and, um, you know, have the outfielders figure out the wall and, and some of those things, which we typically do. Um, we'll, we practice it at the opponent's place a lot of times the day before we play. Mm-hmm. And then tonight we'll let them kind of just go on their own to grab a bite to eat. And then uh, we'll get ready to see it up tomorrow. Sounds good, Coach Federico. Look forward to this series versus the Cajuns. And hopefully next week we're discussing you guys in Sunbelt Conference play. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Michael Federico, ULM's head coach. Coming off that 10-7 to win last night versus McNeese. Their three-game series with the Cajuns get it underway tomorrow. Another huge series to look forward to. We just look to... it up. It is literally a staggering stat, the number of wins the Cajuns have over ULM in the yeah. last uh, three or four years. Yeah, but you compare this year to the years in, pre- in previous seasons, I don't think the Cajuns are as strong as they have been. Mm. But ULM's got to go out there and do it. Mm. Uh, Grandma, and of course, getting ready for a SWAC postseason play. James Cooper. As uh, will will join us at eight thirty to break down uh, their game later today versus Mississippi Valley State at noon. So we look forward to that conversation. Text line, hotline, wide open right now. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We're back after this. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price, for how many doors, cars, trucks. SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. We're talking with Matt Livengood, General Manager at Calvert Crossing Golf Club. You know, Matt, people probably have asked you, what's so special about Calvert Crossing? Well, the difference is our daily focus is on grass and it's on people. So what that brings to you is unsurpassed customer service and superior golf course conditions. And May is the final month of our spring membership drive. You can make Calvert Crossing your home club at 75% off initiation and your first month's dues are free. Come enjoy the private club experience without the private club cost. Stop by and we will give you a tour of our first class facilities. Calvert Crossing is located on Hodge Watson Road in Calhoun. 
Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. Broken windows are no fun. A car that's baking inside from summer sun is even worse. Well, Magic Glass and Tent of West Monroe can handle both those problems. From one-day service on replacing your windshield, to repairing power windows, to professional window tinting for your car, home, or business, Magic Glass does it all. Magic Glass and Tent, 1515 Cypress Street, West Monroe. Give them a call at 330-9988. Sports Talk is on the air. On the morning drive, this hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. So Boston takes care of uh, Cleveland last night in convincing fashion, 107 to 94. They do it despite the fact that uh, LeBron James was LeBron James last night. But uh, 42 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds. Kevin Love also did his part. If you look at the 15 rebounds and 22 points, but ultimately, uh, Boston too strong, and now the Celtics lead two to nothing in this series. You watched a lot of the uh, post game comments. Uh, how did LeBron handle the loss last night? Uh, kind of like the first game. You remember the first game? He said he had zero level of concern. He was after this. I game, didn't go to college. I wasn't a part of March Madness. Yeah, that was his comment. After this game, he was kind of laughing stuff off and. Um, you know, Kevin Love, he, they, they had a little joke with Kevin Love saying, I'm, I'm not leaving until y'all ask Kevin Love something because he hadn't been asked anything during the <laughs> – so I thought it was, I thought that was kind of funny and it just seemed real lighthearted to where – I don't know. I, I, maybe it's because he – So did the, they follow up, the reporter says, hey, uh, Kevin Love, how does it feel to know you only probably have two more games with LeBron James? <laughs> Somebody was about to ask a question, and he was definitely uh, trying not to be asked anything. But I think um, – I don't know if it's because he knows he's going back to Cleveland and, you know, that the old adage, a series doesn't start until the home team loses. I don't know if that's why he's so calm or if it's because he's thinking about next year, hey, this is my last series to have to put up with this team and this these sorry, um, these sorry teammates that I have, or – if he's just confident in his ability. But I, I tell you, it's got to be discouraging to put up those numbers to have that kind of a start where the whole team is shooting over 50% from three in the set, in the first half. And then to just see it crumble against the Boston team that, you know, I, I didn't think Boston played their best. I didn't think Marcus Morris played his best offensively. I didn't, you know, Marcus Smart made a lot of um, – a lot of those, uh, I guess you could call it dirty plays, those plays where he gets his hands dirty. Not dirty in the sense of like he's a dirty player, but I'm saying like those type of play, those gritty plays, that's, that's the word I'm looking for. But I don't think he was exactly efficient, and they don't really expect him to be. But, you know, he does have those games where he goes off uh, for a lot of points. And so I'm what I'm just saying is you didn't you, you got the same old, same old from Tatum and Brown and Horford, but it wasn't an extreme case offensively for Boston. Terry Rozier was really good in the third quarter, but he was very passive in the first half. All I'm saying is 
you, that happened. Plus, you had one of your extreme cases where you know LeBron was able to hit so many outside shots, and, and when he's hitting those outside shots, they usually seem unbeatable. You lost that game. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you have to? You know, how do you feel going? Two into, games that have not been close. No. How do you feel going into? I don't want to say they haven't been close. I mean, they were. Clo- it, this game was close throughout. It's just it got away from them in the third quarter, and Boston ended up winning by double digits, but. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't say it wasn't close. It was just one of those things where it, it just ended up getting away from them late. But if you look at this, if you look at Game Three, what positives? What do you have to be confident about? You know what I mean? Like that's that's where my head is. And we're going home. Was was Cleveland? Did you say Cleveland was actually favored in Game Three? That's what was that it m- minus uh, three, four, four and a half. Oh my goodness! Give Jake me Boston. Wants, what have you seen? Up. You're not allowed to uh, bet uh, legally in this state yet, Jake. Oh, okay. Yeah. What have you seen from, you know, Boston that makes you go, or I mean, from Cleveland that makes you go, yeah, they they can win at home. Hmm. I haven't seen anything. Houston at home tonight, uh, favored by a point and a half versus Golden State. I, I like the Warriors again. I, I think. It's just it's it's hard when you have to play error free basketball. And I feel like that's what the Rockets have to play with that style that they use. The whole ISO we're gonna use up all the the clock and a lot of people don't like that style of basketball. I don't particularly find it to be extremely exciting, but it is fun to see the contrasting styles, you know, when they play the Warriors. Mm. And it is fun to see the Warriors get a couple of turnovers in a row and you see how they explode. And then it's like, oh, the Rockets have to make up ground, but they're still utilizing the strategy that takes up so much time. Mm-hmm. So I, for that reason, I, I still like the Warriors in this matchup. Plus, it's hard to go against that lineup. As we uh, reset here in the 8 o'clock hour, the storyline that never goes away, LSU's quarterbacks in the situation that continues to unfold down there. Uh, the three quarterbacks currently on roster and a lot of uh, still speculation on where Ohio State transfer Joe Burrow will end up. Of course, he made a, a visit to LSU over the weekend. Cincinnati's certainly still in the running, and now news that he plans to make a trip to North Carolina. I know you've been crunching some of the numbers. Well, I haven't. Been, I actually looked up some stuff. Uh, I wanted to look at you know LSU's QBR and adjusted quarterback rating for the past couple of years because now we've because of Steve Insminger's tweet, we've got the whole, and because of Greg McElroy's comments. So Steve Insminger, if you just joined us, puts out a tweet uh, yesterday, a fancy little picture, and, and it was well done, uh, talking about the fact over the course of the last 20 years, seven LSU quarterbacks have been drafted, and along with that nicely done picture, there was a quote there. What was the quote? Uh, competition breeds excellence. Which is nice timing, considering you have three quarterbacks battling for the starting job, and then you just brought another one on campus that you're trying to lure in. Yes. Now, if you want to nitpick, you look at that. You look at the most recent graduates from, or the most recent draftees from that list. Mettenberger and Etling were both transfers. Right. That wasn't the talent that you recruited. Brought in and developed. Right. Those guys came from elsewhere. Right. So I think Greg McElroy has a point when he goes on the radio yesterday and says, "Former Alabama quarterback that is taking some heat for this." SEC net, uh, network analyst, uh, where he says, "LSU." I forgot his exact quote about LSU being the the, the worst position. LSU quarterback is is the one of the most uh, worst handled positions. So, something to that effect. 
But he also said that they don't develop talent. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, I, th- I think he, you, can, you can bash him all you want, but show me where they've taken a guy and really developed him. I think Mettenberger had – 2012 Mettenberger was rough up until the Alabama game. Then it kind of clicked for him. And I, and I gave Cam Cameron a lot of credit for that back in the day because I thought Cam Cameron worked with him. And, and got him to beat. Plus, he, he did have two uh, of the best receivers. supporting cast for Mettenberger wasn't too shabby. <laughs> yeah, he did have Joris Landry, and I know Beckham to throw to. So that was, uh, that was a plus. But I thought Mettenberger uh, had a really good 2013 season. A lot of people exclude that when they talk about LSU quarterbacks. But anyway, I wanted to go through recently because, again, Danny Etling was, was a hot topic this past season. Was he a good quarterback or not? You and I split hairs on that. If you look at it, Last season, he had a 69.2 QBR, which was 33rd in the nation and 4th in the SEC. Pretty good, wouldn't you say? And if you look at 2016, LSU's QBR was 49.8, which was 87th nationally, 7th in the conference on the SEC. Um, And you could go back to 2015, 53.7. And then 2014, which was the Anthony Jennings, Brandon Harris year, 35.4. 35.4. Mm. 35.4. That was 112th in the nation and 13th in the SEC. And 2013 with Mettenberger, by the way, was 76.7, the highest it's been in over a decade. That was 10th nationally and 3rd in the SEC. So if you if you look at was that. Was the Jennings-Harris year worse than when uh, Hatch and Lee were together? Hatch and Lee would have been 08. Man, it is almost identical. Yeah. So um, Jennings and Harris was 35.4. 08 is 35.5. <laughs> Jordan Jefferson's 09 year was 42.8. Mm. 2010 was 44.9. 2011 was 64.4, but that's because Jarrett Lee finally came on as a senior and then was replaced by Jordan mm. Jefferson. But anyway, you, you look at all this, and what does this actually mean? I just think – if you look at it at the numbers, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I think it, it sticks out like a sore thumb because LSU is so good at all the other positions. Mm-hmm. And so when you have mediocre play at quarterback, it really sticks out. I don't think it's awful play. Uh, and I'm really talking about Danny Etling the past couple of years. But again, people are going to make it out to be that way simply because LSU sends more talent to the NFL than anyone. And because of that, it sticks out. You look back at uh, Mettenberg's numbers here. He finished uh, sixth in LSU history in uh, passing yards, uh, fifth in touchdowns with uh, 35 passing touchdowns, sixth in uh, the number of completed passes, and seventh in passing attempts. Of course, like uh, Jake said, that phenomenal year he had with the supporting cast certainly uh, helped out his numbers. Yeah, he also got to hand the ball to Jeremy Hill, too. Mm. So that was a really good offensive team. Not too shabby. So we'll see how this plays out now, whether or not Joe Burrow will actually end up. And maybe uh, Ensminger's tweet may have uh, convinced him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he, he saw that tweet and said, oh, he's got a point. Seven. And then he starts looking at those seven faces. <laughs> Why don't I? You think he recognizes half of them? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I know him, him, him? Of course, he'll know Jamarcus Russell for other reasons. Yeah. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little uh, more college baseball as Grambling gets ready for the SWAC tournament. James Cooper will join us after the break. 
I promise we've been teasing it all the morning. We'll talk about the uh, crazy golfy, golfer's wife. Yes. Glover's wife. Sad, but uh, mm. quite the story. We'll get into that, plus some uh, other storylines as the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. The all-new Yard Power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. Your Cub Cadet Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cub Cadet Pro Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection, even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Bayou Independent Wrestling is back at the West Monroe Convention Center. Friday night, May 18th, doors open at 7, the bell rings at 7.30. Featuring a street fight for the Deep South Heritage title between the champ, Dirty Andy Dalton, versus John Saxon. Plus a Southern Heritage Bayou Independent title match between Vordell Walker and Trip Cassidy. Wesley Crane going against Barry Brown. And catch commissioner Nick Harrison setting the record straight with Steve Anthony. Advanced tickets are $10, 15 at the door. Bayou Independent Wrestling is sponsored by Bob Allen Dojo, North Louisiana Title, Cassidy Insurance Agency, Frog's Flea Market, Iron Cactus, Mitchell Body and Frame, Sober Nest Recovery Homes, Professional Land Surveying, Sandra Fontno Estates, Motel 6, Elements in Pine Hills, and El Chili Verde. Bayou Independent Wrestling is back at the West Monroe Convention Center. Get your tickets now at West Monroe Convention Center in Caldwell Banker in West Monroe or call 355-1301. That's 355-1301. Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the show. We certainly look forward to some postseason play in college basketball, for college baseball for a majority of the programs that will start next week. But for Grambling, the postseason has arrived as the SWAC postseason tournament starts later today with Grambling versus Mississippi Valley State at noon. The Tigers head coach, James Cooper, joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coop, how you doing this morning, bud? Man, I'm doing good. Just had a great breakfast this morning. All right, we certainly look forward to uh, this matchup for you guys as you guys get uh, postseason play started. Sir, first, let's start with some uh, news. Uh, some postseason honors handed out earlier this week. Six of your Tigers recognized. How nice was that to see the fact that uh, you were getting plenty of love in postseason honors? Well, the guys went out and earned that love that they received from, you know, the other coaches and, you know, from the conference, from all the hard work and all their production that they've done this past season. And it pleases you as a coach, you know, when you can, of course, you know, see kids graduate and then also see kids receive, you know, accolades on the field for their hard work, man. So it was a refreshing sight to see, you know, we had that many guys to make all conference this season. Uh, Marshawn Taylor, of course, at the top of the list. How have you seen opponents uh, kind of pitch around him a little bit this year and certainly give him plenty of respect? 
Yes, sir. And it's all predicated off what he did last year. You know, he was able to come in and kind of take the conference by storm, you know, being a guy. Uh, one, he's undersized, so they kind of challenge him with a bunch of fastballs. And, um, you know, he's able enough to, you know, be quick enough to turn some fastballs and rounds and on the inner half of the plate. And, and he, he's just a tough kid, man. You know, he comes from a, a tough background out of the inner city of Chicago. And, you know, he graduated this past week. So that's huge for him and his family and for him to receive an accolade on the award. An award, uh, you know, for his play on the field is just kind of capped off his season, and we really want to put a strawberry on top by winning a championship to send him on out of here. Speaking of strawberries, what are you all having for breakfast this morning? <laughs> well, I had an omelet with cheese, bacon, and sausage, two pancakes, and some potatoes. Oh, that'll get you at least through. That could be an extra inning menu right there. You could go 12 hours hey, today. Hey, man, that's a breakfast for a champion right there. <laughs> Uh, fourteen and ten in conference play. You second, uh, finish second in the West. I know your ultimate goal was to win a divisional crown. Uh, just overall, how did you feel like the regular season played out? Um, it kind of played out. The majority of it played out. You know, kind of like we predicted. We knew it would come down between us and Texas Southern. Uh, you know, we were the two teams on our side that had the majority of, you know, our, um, our everyday guys returning back for this season. And you knew we knew it also would be decided on the road because we had to go out there and wrap up the regular season play at their place. And, uh, you know, Coach Mike Robinson, who's a, a four-time SWAC champion, two at Texas Southern, two at Prairie View. So, you know, he does a good job of getting his guys ready to play. And um, and they made more plays than we did down the stretch. And that was the difference in the ball game when, you know, well, the difference in the series for them getting a chance to win the Western Division crown this year. Is there concern, the fact that you've lost uh, five of your last six games going into postseason play, that you guys kind of limp in postseason play? No, because of the level of competition that we've been playing against, uh, you know, has really gotten us ready for, you know, this postseason play. You know, that's one of the main reasons we prepared the schedule the way we prepared. Um, you know, we do a really good job of explaining it to the guys because of, you know, when you play up, whether you're playing, you know, somebody from the Power Five, you know, they're going to have some arms and some bats that you don't see every day in our conference. So, you know, it's kind of like you're getting ready for, a, you know, a heavyweight fight. You know, when you get into that sparring match with somebody that's going to, you know, touch you up a little bit, you know, it gets you ready for that main event. So that, that's how we looked at it. You know, that's the rationale behind it. And we think it's going to work benefits for us on this weekend. Uh, this weekend, of course, you're the number two seed from the West. You square off against the number three seed from the East in Mississippi Valley State. Do you like this format? Can you repeat that? Uh, yeah, Coach Coop, you guys are the, the set. You're the the number two team from the West, of course. Mississippi Valley State, the three seed from the East. You guys square off later today. Do you kind of like this format for the tournament? Uh, I do. Um, you know, Coach Ellis took me a long time ago. You know, and uh, I was asking him about you know seedings and the time that you know games are played. You know, was it always played like this? And he just keeps it simple and say, Coach, just win your games. Just win your games. You don't have to worry about anything. It does not matter, you know, what time you want to play. Uh, it does not matter who you're playing. If you win your games, you won't have no problem. So, you know, I, I like the format. You know, I think it's I think it's simple. You know, I think it's short. Um, and, I, and I think it works well. Um, I, I wouldn't really change too much about it. I, I like the way it sets up. And, of course, the fact that it's down in the a place you're very familiar with. Uh, how's the setup down there? And you think this is going to continue when they continue to have this tournament in the Big East? I believe so. Um, there's a, it's a nice venue, <clears throat> a very, very, real nice venue. You know, it's a 
fully turf field. The only dirt on the field is on the mound and in the bullpens. Um, you know, so in, if you have some inclement weather where it might rain, you don't have to worry about, you know, a, a, a large field crew to prep the field. And I, and I think that's one of the main reasons it helps. And then, of course, you know, it's at the Urban Youth Academy down here in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, Major League Baseball put a lot of money into, you know, um, upgrading Wesley Barrow Stadium. And, uh, and, I, and I think this also has to revive, you know, the baseball down here in the New Orleans area. You know, this New Orleans is such a, you know, a football area. And, uh, and I think the academy is bringing, you know, baseball back to life down here in uh, New Orleans. Mississippi Valley State later today at noon. I believe you guys did not play during the regular season. What are you expecting from them? We did not. You're right. We did, we did not play them. Uh, just looking at the scouting report, you know, we're expecting them to bunt, bunt for base hit, uh, hit and run, bunt run, you know, be aggressive to steal bases. So um, that's what the scouting report says. Uh, we're going to throw our best stuff at them and, and see what we stack up at when the ninth inning comes around. You look at this uh, tournament, if you had to handicap it, uh, you think it's up for grabs? I believe it is. You know, I, I believe it is. You know, when you when you kind of compare uh, the Western Conference, the Western Division to the Eastern Division, you know, I, I think I, the West Side is is is, is it's more parity on the West Side than it is on the on the East Side. You know, on the East Side, you know, it's like a two team race over there. You know, between Alabama State and Jackson State, and um, and when you look at you know the All Conference teams, it's only made up of like three teams. You know, Texas Southern, Grambling, Jackson State, well, four teams in Alabama State. You know, those those four teams kind of, you know, comprise the both first team and second team. So, you know, the, I think it's a four-team race to win a tournament, to be honest with you. Coach Coop, uh, my memory fails me. I'm getting old. Uh, I believe it was your first year as the head coach you advanced to the regional. Is that the last time you got to it? Absolutely. That was in 2010. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you guys can uh, make some new history this year down there in New Orleans. We certainly appreciate the time. Good luck later today versus Mississippi Valley State. All right. Thanks, Aaron. James Cooper, Grambling's head coach. Sounds like a uh, raucous breakfast back there. It does. A champion's breakfast. Got you hungry, didn't it? It really did. Somebody's making some waffles back there. Yeah. I'm down. (laughs) Sign me up. Did you start seeing projections for the NCAA tournament? And there are a number out there that uh, have Louisiana Tech now in the selection or the selection committee picking them. Uh, some of them going up to uh, Fayetteville to square off in that regional with Arkansas. Yeah, but it's all about finishing strong, right? I mean, I think it's still too early. I mean, you yeah, you can look at the projections, but I want to see what happens this weekend. You know, you can't you can't start overlooking uh, teams and. You know, I, I feel the same way about LSU as well. I mean, LSU and Tech, I think, are both in good spots right now. But you got to finish strong. You know, Tech needs to take care of Old Dominion. LSU has to at least win one or two against Auburn, which is not an easy feat. And then you start looking at it, and a lot of them have uh, some of the Final Four getting in, being Louisiana Tech and LSU. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a cra- It's been a crazy baseball year, but it's been a fun one. Uh, Louisiana Tech, of course, uh, the Diamond Dogs back at home this weekend versus Old Dominion. Just a scheduling note, with this being the last week of the regular season, all this series starting on Thursdays, wrapping up on Saturday. Then, of course, everybody will get ready for postseason play next week. 
Let's take a time out. we got a lot to get to in our parting shots. That's coming up after the break. You can continue to hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline and Text Line. Call Stuart today to see how you can uh, save money on home and auto insurance. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. If your business depends on technology, then you can depend on NetTech. We offer remote desktop and service management, cloud-based document access, email services, IP phone services, fiber internet, and data security products. With locations in Monroe and in Ruston, our friendly technicians and help desk staff are ready to solve all your IT problems. Let NetTech be your IT department. Visit nettech.net or call 866-668-0001 today. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust loyalty you'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing the king of the road the king of the road car king presents FFC2. VIP seats are still available, but get them soon. The January event sold out early. Javier Obregon versus Jesse Butler. Josh Lee versus Josh Davila. Romalise Thomason versus Dan Street. And much, much more. FFC2. Sponsored by Rockland 06, First National Bank, Rockland Birchland, Sports Talk 97.7, Furniture and Petty Direct, West Williams Construction, and M&D Entertainment. FFC2. Saturday, May 19th at the West Monroe Convention. Center. Good morning. Here's latest weather conditions for our area. Mostly sunny skies with a 30% chance of rain today and a high of 91 degrees. Partly cloudy, 30% chance of rain on tonight, a low 72. Mostly sunny skies with a 20% chance of rain on tomorrow and a high of 91 degrees. Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. I impressed uh, Jake this morning. I told him I actually listened to a, a podcast uh, yesterday, so he was very impressed. I wouldn't call it impressed. Uh, Surprised. But baby steps. All right, you want to get to Parting Shots. We've got a lot of ground to cover and a lot of different topics. Let's get it. It's all part of Parting Shots. Look here. Look here, Blondie. God, I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that. And you and Nick up there and your little Punch and Judy show, y'all kind of made fun of it and went on to the next subject. I don't know why we can't understand that. And y'all treat me like garbage, man. Well, I don't really care to answer the critic. Y- y'all trumped up all over me. Wrong. That is absolutely wrong. I- I'm a crowd pleaser. That's what I do. I try to play with my crowd. And I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, Jake, I know you got some. I got three. Where do you want me to start? Crazy golfer's wife, uh, a Seinfeld reference, or the drunkest cities in America? All right, go with the golfer because we've been teasing it all show. I feel like we can't put it off any longer. 
right. And, and I want a full disclosure here. Certainly, we don't want to joke about domestic abuse, and we certainly want, don't want to joke about somebody that obviously has some kind of a substance abuse problem. But this story uh, yesterday certainly made uh, national uh, headlines. Uh, Lucas Glover's wife allegedly attacked him and his mom after he did not do well in a tournament. So uh, Lucas Glover did not play well at the Players' Championship on Friday. He comes back to the, the house that they're renting at the time, and then a fight ensues. So reportedly, Glover then tells the police officers at the scene that uh, when he does not play well, his wife gets very, very upset. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she gives him a hard time, and he went on and tell, told the cops that uh, calls him names, basically, calls him a loser and other names, and it, it, it goes south from there. And then also he says, told the cops allegedly, that he better win or her and the kids would leave him and he would never see the kids again. The pressure of being a professional golfer on the first uh, point and then to be lining up an eight-foot putt and then have to be thinking about that, what you're going to have to deal with when you go home, that is rough. Yeah. And, and look, like you said, you don't want to make fun of that situation, but come on, man. Are we? Is this, is this real life? Like, is this actually happening? Like, how could this happen? How could you put yourself in this position if you're that guy? So she was arrested, and then now Lucas Glover has issued a statement. says, on May 12th, my wife and mother were involved in an argument to which the police were called. Everyone is fine, regrettably. Although, as Krista was charged, we are comfortable that the judicial system is able to address what actually happened. And Krista will be cleared in this private matter. We thank you for respecting our privacy as we work through this unfortunate situation. Again, don't want to make light of the situation, but can you imagine if he was a kicker in the NFL? <laughs> yes. Add into those head cases. Yes. Um, I have a. I know you got a couple more. I have a one I want to mention real quick, um, and it's really about sports writing. This athletic, theathletic.com, yeah. is really picking up steam, and I, I say it is because they just picked up Bruce Feldman yeah. for college football, and they already have Stuart Mandel. Who is who? I think is the editor in chief. Yeah. So that's two of the biggest college football, you know, sports writing names on the roster. Yeah. And then I, I went to their site, and they're. So are you going to be willing to pay? Well, here, to he, see their, I want to get to this. I want to first tell you they got Ken Rosenthal for MLB. Baseball, yeah, that's a big one. They've got Seth Davis for college basketball, another big name. So they've got a lot of really good, talented people working for them. But like you said. You have to pay for it, and they're offering two ninety nine a month uh, for the first year, and then it goes up to seven ninety nine. And their whole deal—I just read Bruce Feldman's column about it. Their whole situation or, or idea is: well, if people are going to pay for streaming on Netflix and pay for for these other like Spotify with music, whatever, why wouldn't they pay for good journalism yeah. and sports? And this is what they're selling: no ads, no clickbait, no hot takes in-depth stories about the sports you love and that's and they've got talented people doing it so i think that's a big win for sports writing and i'm honestly thinking about signing up for it how much is it i just said 2.99 a month for the first year and then it goes up to 7.99 after the first just year. want to make sure i heard you right yeah. that's very reasonable it is 36 bucks for a year uh going back to the podcast i listened to yesterday and it centered around uh, peter king and i'm glad you brought that up because peter king 
talked about how the dynamics of him and his role with Sports Illustrated and then kind of the pushback that he got from fellow journalists and his colleagues because of his prominence and how it was raised in the National Football League and then the jealousy that he saw within the sports writing world against him. I thought it was very fascinating. They were jealous uh, of The his. success that Peter King has had, and then on the flip side, sometimes the access that That's he gets. And then also a lot of people think Peter King, of course, is in Roger Goodell's back pocket. And then he tried to go out, and he certainly defended the argument. We love to get that access. And, of course, the stories that that produces, and it gives you a glimpse of how NFL franchises are run or perhaps the life of an NFL quarterback. And Peter King said to get that, though, sometimes you have to make a deal. And he says he doesn't sell his soul to make these deals happen. He'll just basically, if it's behind the scenes of a draft, he'll say, all right, you get three strikes or three things you can tell me. Okay, that's off the record. But besides that, I can't allow you to have five, seven, eight, or ten, and then you control the message that's put out there. That was very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. No, it is good, and it is an, an inside look into what it takes to, to climb those ranks. And I listen, there's a lot of jealousy in this this uh, industry. And Peter King's role continues to change in terms of now uh, the TV time that he gets, and now we'll see more of him on NBC as he leaves Sports Illustrated. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, I still I still think it's a shame that he's leaving Sports Illustrated, but I get it. Yeah. I, I selfishly wish he was still around to, to provide some of, his, some of his columns. The thing with Sports Illustrated, and of course that medium continues to change. I mean, when is the last time you literally picked up a Sports Illustrated and read it. Probably yeah, a year. Exactly. Probably a year. Yeah. Uh, my uncle still gets, you know, the the subscription. He still gets them. Yeah. So whenever I see him, he'll, he'll throw them in my lap for me to read. But yeah, you're right. Mostly it's online. All right, a couple other parting shots. I actually thought this story would be more than it turned out to be. Uh, the big headline about a Rochester TV station that got punked by a Seinfeld reference. So there was a press release that was sent to them. Uh, talking about the fact that a guy named Newman was going to run for the mayor of Rochester. His name was Hal O. Newman. If you received this press release and it said, Hal O. Newman announces bid for Rochester mayor. How was it spelled? Hal, H-A-L, then O. Hal? Newman. Yeah, but you're supposed to read it, Hello Newman. Yes. But I, I guess I could – so my So question, then I start reading – I'm reading the press release, and I'm thinking, well, maybe they'll put a couple of Seinfeld references right. in there. Yeah. They did not. So I can see how this would, you know, be misconstrued simply because Hal O. Newman, I would read it like that. Yes, I know. And then if there's no other reference to Seinfeld in there, yeah. yada, yada, what yada. was the point of this then? Somebody having fun. Yeah, but have fun with – you know, like you said, yada, 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 just some Seinfeld references throughout. Another parting shot for me, and once again, don't want to make uh, any jokes about substance uh, abuse. Goodness, Aaron. But uh, a study came out, drunkest cities in the United States. Any idea what city is number list. one? Um, it was shocking to me. Yeah, wasn't it a lot of Wisconsin? I believe four of the top six uh, reside uh, in Wisconsin. What was the what was number one? Green Bay. Green Bay. Green well, Bay. Yeah, you know what they say. I mean, there's nothing really to do besides football. And then uh, New Orleans did not make the list. That was shocking. Yeah. Fargo, North Dakota, uh, coming in at number five. <laughs> 
the one thing that is a common theme among these uh, drunkest cities in the United States, cold weather climates. Yeah, that's true. But it, I, I find the literally list they're all Minnesota or Wisconsin. I find the list invalid if New Orleans isn't on there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Iowa City up there, too. Represent? Yes. The driest city in America. Any ideas? Ooh, I don't know. Provo, Utah. That was, was going to be my George, first guess. Utah, number two. Compelling. What you got? Well, I just gave you my athletic um, little piece I had. I also want to get back to Saban. I thought it was so funny that he clowned UCF because I've been waiting on this. I've been getting irritated by UCF because I think they've taken it too far. The whole banner, you know, the actual parade, the the parade, and I could live with the parade, but I guess it's the physical banner in the, the stadium, in the stadium, and, and along with the rings and all of that, and it kind of goes back to um, they they shipped one out to um, offensive coordinator who followed Frost uh, to Nebraska, and he didn't want to wear it, and he. Caught a lot of backlash because he was saying, we didn't win a championship, I'm not going to wear it. But he didn't mean anything by it, and, but they took offense. I don't know, this story has just irritated me for a while now, and to see Saban actually go at them and say they didn't earn this. But if you're a Central Florida player or a fan, don't you want to be recognized for a special season? Sh- yes, recognize that undefeated season, that is fine. But don't sit here and call yourself the national champions. Like, Auburn didn't do that in 2004. Like, Auburn fans hold that season dear to their heart. And, of course, you know, now with all the Reggie Bush stuff, um, you know, there, there could be more legitimacy to them actually claiming a championship. But I'm just saying. But if you're basically being froze out of in the, the system, moment, you're froze out of the way that it's processed right now, and you were not given the opportunity to compete for that national Auburn championship. Auburn wasn't either. That's my point. Auburn was not either. Auburn was left out. USC and Oklahoma got to play. And so it's it's a very similar situation. And I know people will say, well, UCF, uh, there there's four teams, and UCF wasn't given the chance because they, they don't play in a Power 5 conference, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But don't sit here and call yourself the national champion. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That, that gets on my nerves. Yes, say we're undefeated. You know, it was a special year. You can – commemorate the season in different ways i don't you can even have that parade that's fine don't call it a championship parade just call it an undefeated i don't know call it something but yes honor those players for what they did but don't sit here and call yourself the national champion i did produce one great soundbite though from uh, nick saban telling usa today i guess anybody can claim anything but self-proclaimed is not the same as actually earning it and it's probably a significant number of people who don't respect people who make self-proclaimed sort of accolades for themselves. Raises hand. Love that. Love uh, I had a great visit with Isaiah Bugs, the former Ruston standout who has moved on to Alabama, has a national championship ring. In fact, has two of them, one from the NCAA, the other from Alabama. Hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to share that interview with you tomorrow. Some really good stuff. Special feature on Isaiah Bugs and his course, his road to stardom. Coming up Thursday night on KNOE. Good stuff. Uh, good show today. We certainly enjoyed uh, having uh, Dr. Jeff Counts on, Michael Federico, and James Cooper. Coming up tomorrow. Top 10 Thursday. I guess we're going to go with top 10 teams. We'll go with top 10 local teams. Are you on board? From this past year? From this high past school year. Ranks. Yeah. And we can do national later on in the summer. How many state champions do we have? Oh, 
top of my head, I don't know. Not very many. Not not an overload overload of them. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to to compile that list. I think it'll be interesting to see who should be one: Ravel Boys basketball or Washita softball. Washita softball still ranked number one in the country. They still are, but Ravel didn't lose a game. Uh, public schools in the state of uh, America. Uh, Rabel was ranked, I think, fifth or sixth in the country hmm. by some polls. Hmm. Whoever puts those polls together, we could get into a whole other <laughs> dialogue. So we could have a good uh, <laughs> debate tomorrow about that. Yeah, maybe we should get Whitman on tomorrow, making the argument why they're the best team in the year, there no matter go. the sport. No matter the sports. Well, he, you know he puts softball above all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everybody have a great day. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.